Well, Daphne, thank you for joining me on Take This Down. It's a privilege and honor to have you on the show. And I can't thank you enough for being here with me today. I'm so happy to be here with you, Ty. It's real a real privilege. Thank you. Well, you know, one thing I, I like to start off every episode is, is telling my guests why I invited them on the show. You know, uh, you and I met... Pr- Whenever, whenever we met a few years back, uh, but we, we were both working in different capacities in the Las Vegas trail community. Mm-hmm. Uh, me as a board member for LVT Rise, obviously you and your capacity with the Boys and Girls Club. And I just got to see your leadership style and ultimately was able to join the Boys and Girls Club board and being a, 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 a alum of Boys and Girls <laughs> Club, it was something that's always near and dear to my heart, but you know, seeing everything that you do and how you do it efficiently, flawlessly. It was always something that stood up and you were immediately one of the people that came to mind. I wanted to have a conversation with you to one, let the world know who you are uh, behind the the engine that is the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Tarrant County and how you got to where you are today. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm going to I'm going to remember those words and replay them in my head, especially uh, going to repeat them to my kids, especially the part about being flawless. <laughs> <laughs> so let's kind of just jump right into it. Sure. So who is Daphne at her core? Oh, gosh. Um, I think I've always been a dreamer, Ty. Uh, you know, I think back to the time uh, when I was 12 and 13, thinking about the person I wanted to become. I, I, I think I was I've always been the kind of person who wanted to um, change the world, which sounds kind of big and lofty, but it's definitely the kind of person I am at, at, at my core, at my heart. I, I really do believe people change the world. And I believe especially that together we can change the world for good. And um, so I've, I've really lived, tried to live my life the way um, that feels, you know, honest to that belief. And uh, I, I, I also believe in going big, you know, whenever possible to, to have a dream that inspires, first of all, me and also inspires other people uh, to, to, to follow that dream as well. Um, I've, I've been really, really blessed in my life to have opportunities and people around me that have allowed me to pursue a lot of those dreams. And so I think, I guess I'm a dreamer a little bit. And um, I, I really enjoy the opportunity of being able to pursue those dreams. You know, growing up, you know, did you always have dreams or did you know what you wanted to do or how oh, was I, it growing up? For I you? grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma and had an amazing educational experience. And I credit um, my my education educational experience at Carver Middle School and Booker T. Washington High School as being foundational to how I see the world today and um, really being key to um, helping me develop into the person that I hope um, I'm helping my own children grow into. Um, Tulsa is a great community. Um, it, it really provided me a lot of opportunities, but it, it also has an interesting past has a challenged past. And um, I was really fortunate to attend Booker T. Washington High School because it was one of the first integrated high schools in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, actually, it, it was in the 70s it was integrated. And um, it's also a magnet school. It's a, it's a, it was a really fantastic academic uh, public education for me. Um, it gave me the opportunity to learn um, history in a more balanced way, I think. It gave me exposure to a, a wider um, variety of cultures and experiences. It was in a different part of town than where I lived. 
And I, I really value the opportunity to have been around people that looked different than me, that came from different experiences than I had had growing up. And I, um, I, I believe strongly that that educational experience was a big part of helping form the decisions I made as a young person. Um, you know, at least half of my teachers were, 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 were not white. Uh, by the time I was in sixth grade, I had a lot of exposure to a lot of different um, histories of, of, of Tulsa, of Oklahoma, and of our nation. And um, I, I think in particular today, that's something that we're struggling with, um, is to make sure that history represents as many people and all people as possible more, more accurately. And that's something I'm really grateful for, right. is that such a great, a great educational experience in Tulsa. You know, if, if, my, if my own personal history in, is correct regarding Tulsa, Booker T. Washington, is, is that not situated in what was known as Black Wall Street yeah, in Tulsa? Yeah. yeah, so I took a bus from another part of town every day and um I was, I was starting at the age of 12 and I drove past Greenwood and what, what people sometimes refer to as Black Wall Street and um I every day would pass that on the way to school and um it was it was a good opportunity for me to be reminded of um what is what is the reality that a lot of people lived um in Tulsa through the 20s 30s 40s have still lived and um, so it's, it's situated in a part of town that I think uh, provided me a different lens to look at the world and to grow up thinking about the world in a different sort of way. And I'm really grateful for that. Gotcha. And to all the listeners and audience out there, this is where I tell you, if you don't know anything about the history of Greenwood, Tulsa or Black Wall Street, this is your opportunity to Google and do some additional research. Uh, but one thing that you said that I think is, is very key is you said you had a balanced education and experience growing up. You know, how was that, you know, significant or how did that help you, you know, move or progress through life? Well, I think it did a couple of different things. I, it, 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 it has, you, know, you don't know something's different as a kid or as right. a teenager until you experience something that's not what you're used to. And, you know, college is a great opportunity for you to experience those new things or when you go other places. And I always thought that, you know, the experiences I had were, normal. And then as I got older, I realized it wasn't <laughs> completely normal, right, right. Uh, maybe to have what I thought was maybe a, a more integrated experience with other cultures and different people and realized that, you know, I maybe was experiencing something that, well, frankly, was better, but um, was it what the same experience that other people had? And so um, that, that um, helped me understand that I had a unique perspective and that it was something I could I could actually uh, challenge myself. Um, so I actually went to Africa when I was in college. Um, it was kind of a, probably a step I would not have taken um, had I not had that beginning, the beginning the right. way I did. And um, I, I I worked when I was in college at a, 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 a lot of know this about me actually. I, I worked in college at an HIV positive orphanage. This was an orphanage for HIV, HIV positive orphans. And it was a, such a transformational experience for me. I was 19. Um, um, and when I arrived there, um, it was just such a different uh, different environment, but such a great environment. People were so happy and so grateful for what they had. It, it, was, it taught me another lesson. So sort of my 
my upbringing kind of got me to the point where I was willing to do something like that. And then once I was there, that experience taught me a lot more about what mattered to me as a person and the kinds of things that I wanted to continue to do with my life and even my career. Um, I remember coming back uh, to the States and thinking, I cannot um, and I don't want to stop thinking about what's possible for our community here. And it really inspired me to think big as much as possible. So I imagine at 19 years old, moving to Africa, working at an HIV positive orphanage, your parents supported you. (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) Um, I went there against their will. Uh, They told me, they actually told me not to go. Um, I think I have kids, you know, that are that age now. And I think I'd be so angry if they did what I did. Um, The day I arrived, I saw, um, uh, I was in Johannesburg and we arrived and I saw Two people actually come out of uh, court down the steps, and they they actually shot each other. They didn't like the outcome of the the the, wow. the verdict, and um, uh, that was my that was my first day of arrival. And so it was it was also you know those moments where you grow up a little bit right. and you realize that our justice system doesn't work the same way everywhere in the world. And um, it also just from a safety and security standpoint, I realized that. You know, I had I had some things to learn as a young person. My parents didn't necessarily support me going there, but you know, I, it also was a uh, just part of my growing up as a person, growing up as a leader, deciding what uh, was good for me and and how I would move as a just as a as a as a woman. So you know, with your parents, since I'm gonna say not not originally wanting or supporting <laughs> your decision, and then you arrive, and this is the first thing that you see. Yeah. Do you have this like, oh no, I made a mistake moment or like, did you continue to be like, no, this is my purpose. This is the path that I'm supposed to be on at this point. For better or worse, Ty, I'm a pretty stubborn person. <laughs> uh, depending on what side of the coin you find me on, um, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm a pretty committed person once I get my mind set on something. And I, I really felt needed there. I felt like it was the place I needed to be at at the moment. And, um, and it was. Was you ever, you know, and I, and I, and I say this. Not by my, no means trying to date you or anything mm-hmm. like that, but you know, at, at that particular point, the world really doesn't know much about HIV mm-hmm. or, or AIDS mm-hmm. or anything like that. Did you ever fear for like your own personal health or exposure That's a good or anything? You know, I have a. I actually have a. I went on later to get a graduate degree in public health, so I'm certified in public health. It actually really did prompt me to think about those things. I didn't worry about it. I did. Uh, I, this was early on. This was the first. This was a. I, uh, this was um, right after apartheid ended in, in South Africa. This was in South Africa. And it was the first year after apartheid ended. So it was also a really interesting time right. in the history of that country. Incidentally, I got to meet Nelson Mandela oh, when wow. I was there, wow. which was such an incredible experience. And I, one that I have come to appreciate more over time. Because um, when you're young, you don't always right. appreciate right. things the same way. And um I I, um, I I think I, I didn't know to be as afraid of maybe the things I should have, but I wasn't really afraid. I understood how that worked. Um, but it was, a, you know, we've we've grown as a society to understand more about, um, you know, more about that disease and more about how it's transmitted. And uh, we've come up with much better, uh, you know, much better response to it, medically speaking. Right. It's, it's, I'm going to tell you a quick story, but yeah. my Nelson Mandela story. I never um, met Nelson Mandela or anything like that, 
But I heard about him so much in my household because my older sister and Nelson Mandela shared the same birthday, July 18th. And so anytime there was a time for her to do a report or a biography on someone, she always picked Nelson Nelson Mandela. And so it was, I can tell you everything I don't want to know about Nelson Mandela that they share in books. (laughs) So, but that's good. Uh, And so now you, you have this experience, you know, you're ready to head back to the States. You know what you want to do with the rest of your life. <laughs> no, not at all. Gosh. Um, I think I think um, we sometimes like to make our kids think like we knew what we were doing, but we don't. <laughs> um, no, I just, I, I feel like I, again, a dreamer. You know, I kind of knew that I wanted to, to do something meaningful with my life, but I, I, um, I wasn't quite sure, you know, how that would really play out. You know, you're, I was in college, so I needed to get my degree and, um, so I actually got a degree in microbiology. I see you're using it a lot. <laughs> you know, I put on my lab coat every day. Um, yeah, in microbiology. Um, and so I, I um, you know, I, I, I think I think at that time in my life, I, I spent a lot of time, you know, volunteering and uh, working at my church and doing things like that that kind of brought me a lot of meaning. And it really wasn't until I graduated and got got to Fort Worth and found the Boys and Girls Club that things kind of came together for me, though, and helped me to understand more about how to contribute my talents to the community. Um, and, and so that that's really where I felt things coalesce for me and come together. You know, I know, you, and, and maybe you mentioned it uh where did you do your undergrad back in mm-hmm. Oklahoma? Oklahoma State, yeah. Okay. Oh, it's funny. I always wanted to go to Oklahoma State, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> uh, so do you think that, you did, did you have aspirations of becoming a medical doctor? I, or? Thought, I thought maybe I could be a, a, a physician. Um, I still think I'd make a good doctor. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I did really, I really did love microbiology. I still do. Um, and I still read quite a bit about it. I am. I, um, fascinated about that field um and but i did think I, I might become a doctor do you think that desire you know came from one you know your love for wanting to help people in the community and who impacts the community more per se than physicians and mm-hmm. things that do you think that was some type of correlation yeah. or just a general interest yeah you know i think and, and this kind of goes maybe a little bit to what i noticed at boys and girls club too i think a lot of times when you're a young person you identify with careers of 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 adults that you see most often, you know, um, and I, you know, you see doctors when you're a kid right, right. and it was a, it was a profession that I could understand was doing good. And it was something I identified with. And, and so I related to, um, you know, a doctor and the good that a doctor could do. And, um, I think that I identified with it and I, I did well in science, you know, that was, um, something I thought, you know, and I thought people who do well in science were smart. So, you know, I had to, had to, had to do all right, that. Right. Um, and so I, I think that um, it kind of made a lot of sense to me that, that it might be something I'd be good at. Gotcha. And so growing up in Tulsa, South Africa, college in Stillwater, Oklahoma, coming to Fort Worth was a walk in a park, I bet, for you. Well, you know, a lot of similarities between Tulsa and Fort Worth, um, but some differences, too. And I think a lot of people think that Oklahoma, you know, so close to Texas, it's the same place pretty much. I did notice some differences. And, and plus, I was growing as a person. You know, I was growing up, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, was really um, not sure of 
Fort Worth when we moved here. I, I didn't know what to expect, didn't know what kind of place it was going to be. Um, and and I, I went to work using my microbiology degree right away, worked in a forensics lab. Okay. Uh, that was kind of interesting. That was right, right when CSI came out. And so <laughs> uh, I thought it would be really, really cool, but it was actually pretty, like, you know, pretty basic every day, you know, right. we would test, test things over and over again. And then, um, decided I was going to go back to school actually. Um, and that, and go back to school for public health. And I went to UNT health science center and got my degree in public health and, um, really enjoyed that experience and enjoyed Fort Worth. That's where kind of the period of time in my life where I was learning about our city and learning about, um, you know, how things worked here. You know, when you move to a new place, you don't really know. Right. Right. You don't know people. You don't know um, institutions. You don't even know like where to go grocery shopping. And so I was spending that time really kind of getting to know everybody. And that's when I found uh, I volunteered first at Boys and Girls Club during that time. Gosh. And I was going to ask because you, you seem to have always had this tie of community and wanting to mm-hmm. help. You know, how did you you know connect to the community in Fort Worth? You know, when you moved here, you know, working for a forensic lab and then transitioning to pursuing your public health, like. How did you go about finding some sense of community? Yeah, yeah. It was through church first. You know, I, I knew people from church when we moved, and it kind of just, um, it kind of helped me get connected. And somebody asked me to contribute my time at the holidays. Um, and I've, I've kind of had, it's a strength and a weakness. I say yes most <laughs> of the time when somebody asks me to do something. Um, sometimes I say yes too much, but, um, I can relate. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I said, yes. And I, 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 I think it's a good piece of advice for somebody too, that's young, like that might, might be just trying to figure out like how to fit into a community or fit into a new situation. Sometimes you have to say yes to things you're not right. sure about. Um, and I, I did say yes to a lot of things back then just to kind of learn, learn people, learn, 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 um, you know, kind of learn my community and, um, uh, and that's what I was doing then is just, I, I, so I got connected initially through church and then um, got to know one person who introduced me to another person and, and and just kind of grew my network of people that I knew. And, you know, I was young. I was 22, 23. And, um, uh, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right, and so, right. you know, just slowly began to know the things that I needed to know at that age and, and uh, and, and also just to, to grow my career, grow my education, grow my own personal network, and also decide more about myself, like what was important to me and what I wanted to do next. You know, you said something that I think is, is important to kind of highlight. You know, you say yes, saying yes. I think, you know, you, you say yes in order to know when to say no. Mm-hmm. I think if you never say yes to things, you'll never know when, okay, this is where I have to say no. You know, has do you think because you said yes so much early on, it, it helped you filter when it was time? Like, okay, no, this is not for uh, me. That's a really good point. I haven't um, always thought about it that way, but it's kind of like when you're, okay, I'll use a quick analogy. Like, I don't know if you like to go to the beach, but like you get in the water and you get a little farther away from the, you know, the, the sand right, and you right. get a little bit deeper into the water. At some point, you realize you've gone far enough, right, but right. you don't realize you get there until you get there. And right. and I do think it's a little bit that way with um, new new situations, people, causes even. Like, okay, I, I tried it and I loved it. Or I tried it and that didn't quite go the way I thought it was going to go. Or I tried that job or I tried that activity or that 
whatever, fill in the blank. I, I think you do learn by experience a lot of times. And um, you can't figure out what you like or don't like until you do it. Right. And, and I, I notice in young people, sometimes there is a hesitation to try something because we kind of self-edit and say, oh, I won't like that. Therefore, I won't try that. Or I won't be good at that. Therefore, I won't try that. Or, you know, maybe I won't be, you know, successful or they won't like me enough if I do or don't do that. And and so we don't try. And so I, I think um, there, there is a, there is a, there is a hesitancy sometimes to just put yourself out there, and um, um, I, I, and it, it is a, it is a challenge to overcome that. But I do think in my life that's something that's been really helpful to me. I've not been successful at everything I've tried, and um, being successful has been great. <laughs> but being unsuccessful, or maybe even not liking some of the things I've tried, has been good for me because it's helped me understand what I don't want to keep doing gotcha you know i'm gonna probably jump ahead and come back because you said something that just that sparks me you know you work with our youth a lot you know day to day Mm -hmm. and is in various capacities you see Mm -hmm. them at different stages and different Mm -hmm. vulnerability you know do you feel that sometimes that our youth or the the generations that's continue to grow up and come they're scared to fail so they're not taking risk i definitely think that that is a, a challenge especially for the, the age group that uh, maybe um, has been impacted by the pandemic. Right. And I, I think there is, there is, a, um, there is a, a, an intimidation of failure and an intimidation of being accepted that, that, that causes um, this particular group of young people. So this would be like, I see this more um, in teens today, that does cause them to, to maybe be afraid to take as many risks. Um, so maybe because uh, there was um, more isolation at, at a period that was really important to their, their development cycle, like the, the time that they would be normally forming natural bonds and connections with other people, right. they were not able to do that as much. And so that confidence that we all build by like, ah, you know, getting to know somebody for right. the first time or maybe, you know, we all we all experience some rejection a little bit. Right. Even right. in meeting new people as adults, there's a little bit of that. Right. And right. so as a teenager, as a young adolescent, that's something that you're doing on a regular basis. And during COVID, I think that was a hard thing to do. Um, and doing it online and through social media is not the same thing. Right. And, you know, and again, I don't know how I got on this tangent, mm-hmm. but, you know, I would be curious if there's anyone that's out there that's doing case studies mm-hmm. of, you know, students who were that went from like sixth grade. And next thing you know, after the pandemic, they're in high school because they never got that kind of true middle school to where you can transition to be the, you know, the older kid in school. And now you're plopped in high school with 18, 17 year olds, but you mm-hmm. never got that interaction. I can only imagine what that experience may be for them. Cause mm-hmm. you know, middle school, I would say helps me, you know, start to find my voice a little bit and, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, but I've just, I don't know, you mentioned, you know, being willing and not afraid to fail and it may kind mm-hmm. of just naturally took mm-hmm. me there. So I think you're exactly right. Ty. We're actually partnering with Texas A&M. Um, they have um, uh, been doing a couple of different studies. And so we'll be working with them next year to do a study on the impact of, um, uh, teens' willingness uh, and ability to interact with other teens in person and online 
based on their uh, participation in extracurricular activities and specifically their participation at Boys and Girls Club. So this will test your idea. Gotcha. I'll just let you know how it goes. See, that, was, <laughs> that wasn't even set up that way, but you know, that's, that's good to know. Yeah. And so, it, you know, we mentioned it, you know, but how did you end up at Boys and Girls Club? Okay, so I volunteered, um, which is like an advertisement for, <laughs> for volunteering. You don't... Um, if you volunteer, you can come to CEO one day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, my first paid job was answering the phone. That's the other thing I tell people. It's like, you never know. <laughs> um, so I did volunteer um, during the holiday season. I helped uh, raise, uh, kind of like gather gifts at the holiday season for one of our locations. And I remember the first time I walked in and I was like, there are a lot of kids here. <laughs> and uh, just, you know, um, so uh, if you ever do come to the club, um, we do a pretty good job of serving a lot of kids. And so um, it's it's actually, it's a fantastic it's a fantastic strength of our organization is we do really good at connecting. Yeah. Um, but I remember the first time that we, that I walked in, I was like, wow, there's a lot going on here. Um, and so I, that was my first experience. And um, I, I, I was in graduate school. So I, like I mentioned, I was at UNT Health Science Center. So I was in graduate school and I started doing um, just some hourly jobs, you know, answering the phone, doing data entry, um, just doing a couple different things. And that kind of morphed over time. And eventually, after I got my degree, I thought, okay, I've got a microbiology degree and I'm a public health professional. I'm about ready to go fight Ebola or some like really big, like SARS. You know, or yeah, this is before COVID. But I thought, I'm ready, you know? And um, I really did think I was going to do some kind of like, an, like um, I kind of thought that's where I was headed. And, um, and, and then I got a call from Boys and Girls Club about a about a, a position, and I thought, you know, I, I'm I'm going to do that. And um, had had the opportunity to interview and, and get offered the position. And over time, um, I came to understand a couple of things about myself. It was a perfect marriage of that dreamer in me. Um, so I thinking back to that service that you've, you've asked me questions about the opportunity to serve the opportunity to connect, um, the things in my past that had really made me feel whole along with this, this opportunity to use my talents and gifts. So, um, yeah, I'd learned a lot in college about how to, you know, think and contribute and, you know, college is about a lot more than the actual content. Right. A, lot of, a lot of times it's about how to think and how to make decisions and how to communicate um, I, I saw where I could bring my talents and gifts to um, really an amazing organization. And, and it, it over time, I really started to feel like the things that had happened in my life were really positioning for me uh, an opportunity to serve a community that I'd fallen in love with. And um, it didn't happen immediately. It wasn't like this, you know, the skies parted and a ray of sunshine came down and said, this is where you are meant to be. It happened over time. And I, I think Sometimes young people like feel like it, you know, they're just waiting for the scroll to come down and say, this is your purpose in life. Um, it didn't, it doesn't happen that way. And it didn't happen that way for me. It developed over um, a longer period of time through a longer set of circumstances where I started to feel like I was making a difference in the way that I wanted to. And I did, I found, I found my home. You know, do you feel that because you had the experiences, not only with your background, but, you know, the, diff the route that you took equipped you to be prepared for what you take on day to day in your with Boys and Girls Club? Most of the time. Um, I, I, I would like to think that I'm still growing and still 
still learning new skills to, to that, that that keep me challenged for learning new things, but a lot in a lot of ways, yes. So when I think about um, going into new situations, like I mentioned, um, you know, you know, even the way I was educated as a, as a as a teenager, or going into Africa, or you know, those decisions, moving to Fort Worth without really a whole big plan, <laughs> um, those those situations taught me how to uh, face a lot of the challenges I see day to day leading a large organization. You know. We have um, a lot of locations. We serve a lot of kids every single day, every single year. And there are challenges that come up with that kind of work. And I don't always know what those challenges are going to be. And they're usually, some of them are easy, easy decisions, but I would say a lot of them are complex decisions. Like how are we going to have enough money to answer this incredibly difficult challenge? How are we going to manage our resources effectively? Those are things that... um, are, are that require skills that I started to learn at a young age and that over time I got better and better at. And, and those experiences did prepare me for it, but not in a straight line. Um, they were things that um, I can't have, I'm 47. So I um, didn't ask. I don't think I'm old. <laughs> yeah, you didn't ask. I don't think I'm old yet, but I'm getting to the point in my life where I'm starting to have a little bit of line of sight back. And I'm starting to understand how those experiences did help prepare me for the things that I face today. And so, you know, as you are climbing the Boys and Girls Club corporate ladder and you ultimately become, you know, CEO and president, did you feel prepared? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think any of us really feel prepared for important things. So how did you go about, one, amping yourself up to telling yourself that you're prepared and ready for, but also kind of fighting maybe imposter syndrome or like, yeah. oh, I have this seat. I'm now have this title, I have this responsibility. What am I going to do now? Yeah, so I don't think it happened immediately. Um, I remember, so I live kind of um, in the north part of Fort Worth, and there's this part where I would drive into work on on 35, and I, you turn, you get on the highway, and as you come down, there's this great view of downtown Fort Worth. And I remember kind of early on when I was in the position, I would see downtown and I would just, this weight would come on my shoulders like, man, I have so much responsibility. You know, like I have to take care of all these kids, make sure I do a good job. And I just remember feeling that weight in the role. And I think all of us that kind of have had that experience of going to the next level, like whatever the next level is, you kind of feel that weight for a while. And and it's that adjustment period where you're trying to reconcile the responsibility that's very real and also, uh, you know, figuring out how to manage performance to that responsibility and also figuring out how to be not comfortable in it, but feeling prepared, feeling like you have the skills needed to answer the call uh, for the work. And and I do remember early on feeling... um, you know, feeling like, wow, this is a lot, you know, there's a lot of responsibility. If I make a mistake, there could be, you know, there could be, you know, we might not serve as many kids that need us. And I still feel that pressure. Um, I think, I think what's helped me over time is to be honest when I do make a mistake with myself first and then with somebody else I trust to say, Hey, I'm not feeling like things are going well here and getting somebody to help me through that. And then, and then, change it. And, um, you know, imposter syndrome is, is a, is a great question because I, I think it, it happens to 
a lot of people in different ways. And I became CEO uh, in my early 30s. I think I was 31 when I became a CEO. I had just had my third baby. Um, I think she was not even a year old yet. And so I was a very young mother and had a lot of responsibility. And I I felt the need to do well at all of that. And and so, um, you know, I think for a period of time, you're kind of racing against yourself to do a really good job. And I still am. <laughs> but I, I, I think there is a point in time where you you start to realize, okay, you know what, I, I did good at that. I, I did good at that. And I can acknowledge that I did good at that. Or, you know, that was not your best moment, Daphne. Let's not do that again. Let's get you a better resource. Let's make sure this or that happens differently. And, and, and that honesty with yourself is extremely important to make sure that you grow as a person so that you are feeling like you're showing up as your authentic self more and more every day. That's, that's, that's good. That's good. You know, along that journey, you know, was there a person or mentor or even like, you know, a book or anything mm-hmm. that you would seek, go for reference or, you know, seek for that advice that, that would help you along the way? Yeah, I, I listen to books uh, on Audible a lot. Um, I find that fits me really well. So I've read or listened to a lot of different um, a lot of different ones. But I, I will say the things that probably have helped me the most have been my colleagues um, who run other boys and girls clubs that I respect a lot. Um, I think um, that has been the biggest impact to me is to be able to um, – seek out my colleagues that I think do a really good job in my same job, but in a different market. So I have a, I have a colleague, um, I consider her my friend too, um, that I go to. She runs, uh, so our organizations here in terms of size, um, um, and, and hers is just a little bit bigger. So we are the biggest boys and girls club in Texas, which, you know, I like right, to say. Right, right. <laughs> so we're a really big organization, but, right. you know, hers is a little bit bigger. And it helps me to go to her and um, compare and also to uh, not compete, but compare and also kind of hear. And she's a little bit um, older than me. So she's been in the she's been um, in the in the workforce and in her position longer. And so it helps me kind of get that mentorship that I need. Um, and, and, and we kind of work, work out problems for each other and to together that it, it, it helps me not feel alone. So I think sometimes as a leader, it's easy to feel alone. And, um, there's just things sometimes you need to talk through. And I really value my colleagues and my peers when I can, I can rely on them to help me give me honest feedback, give me uh, the opportunity to work through a problem. And over my career, that's been um, something I've been very blessed. Our board has supported me deeply in those opportunities to seek out, um, to seek out those kinds of relationships. So you, you took over um, Boys and Girls Club, you know, when you're 31, mm-hmm. you're very young, which you're still very young. And, you know, do you remember the size of the club then, and then, you know, love to, you know, allow you to brag upon yourself <laughs> to what it's grown to today. Okay. So, um, it, uh, it was $5.5 million in operating and, um, that was in, uh, 2006 and, um, we approved our budget for this year at, uh, 15.5 in operating. Oh. So I guess that's a, Three, three, time. three times um, growth. Um, 
which is phenomenal. And the reason it's phenomenal is that that translates directly into the number of young people that we can impact and serve. And that's the kind of work you want to see happening right here in your local community. You want to you want to say, hey, in the last 18 years, 17 years, we've seen three times as many kids get served. And when I think back and I said I was a dreamer, you know, that's the kind of story I want to tell myself. It's the kind of life I want to leave my children a legacy, you know, to 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 know about me as a mom and. Um, ultimately, hands down, it's it's the result I want to produce for the people around me. And, um, you know, you're right. I'm 47. I still got some gas in this tank. You know what I mean? Like, where can we go from here in the next few years? You know, where can we go? And, and we've, we we need we need to serve more kids. You know, in our in our in our estimation, we're only serving um, anywhere between five and seven percent of the of the target demographic that, you know, these are kids maybe on free or reduced lunch, only five to 7% of the kids who need us in this County, in Tarrant County. And so that's not enough. Um, Just to keep up with the number of people that are moving into our County, just to keep up with that, just to keep up with five to 7%, depending on how you measure it, we've got to continue to grow over time. And um, these are the things that I think about that motivate me that, that, um, that I know other people think about too. And these are the things that I, I, I very much want to accomplish in my career. Well, you know, I was going to ask, you know, how do you stay motivated? You know, because everything that you've been able to accomplish under your tent, it's easy to sit back and be like, oh, I've done enough. You know, I can go down and always be remembered. Uh, but it's still that hunger. That's still that drive. Is is because, you know, there's still a need out there? So when I, yes, I, when I think about like, remember I told you I was coming back from Africa, like, and I came back to the States and I, I, I remember distinctly coming back and I remember feeling like this feeling when I came back, like I have to help people around me understand what's possible. I don't know why, but that experience did really um, inspire me to be a leader and to be a visionary and, and, and to help other people accomplish things. And I, I feel like that is still like in my DNA. Um, everybody, everybody together makes things better. And we collectively can make our community better. I think right now we're in a period of time where there can be some divisiveness in our world and between leaders even in our world. And um, we can make it better. The kids we serve, the youth of our community are the solution. And I believe completely in that. And I believe in, um, I believe in our ability to create their future, to level their ground as much as possible so they have the opportunity to be their very best. And that motivates me. Like it motivated me when I was younger. It's still in there. Right. Uh, right. And I hope it's in there as long as possible. Um, and, you know, if I, if I start not to do a good job or that fire goes away from me, I need to step away from the work. Right. And so, you know, you you see some of, you know, our our talented, you know, children, our talented students that's in our communities. 
What do you think are some of the issues that are facing them or, or that's hindering them from reaching their full potential? Yeah. So we, we, um, we, we, we take, we take, we take time to actually ask this question at Boys and Girls Club. We, we, we intentionally, um, seek, seek out that feedback, um, we ask every one of our young people to give us the feedback in a couple of different ways. We have pulse surveys where they, we're, we're asking them um, like about their, their daily experience. And then we do a, a, a very intentional um, once a year annual survey where we ask about their, their, their satisfaction with their, with their experience at Boys and Girls Club. But then we also just, we huddle up and we talk it out. And um, we've been doing this recently. We, we do a spring kind of, a set of uh, what I would call um, our focus groups with our teens. And so we very recently have this information. It's a good question. And I would say two things have resonated in our, in our, in our focus groups recently. One uh, young people, young people are not as distracted by all this noise that us adults are, you know, like, I I don't know about you, but man, I turn on my news and I'm like, man, there's a lot going on. Right. Uh, Teens, they, they got it down pretty simple. Um, I, you know, I thought maybe I'd hear a lot of that same noise coming from them. Mm-mm. They want, they want to, they want to make sure they're at a, they're included, and the people around them feel included. Right. They want to be in an environment that creates a good, a good, a good um, community vibe that gives them the opportunity to be included and include other people. That is the number one piece of um, feedback we've been hearing from them. And they, and they feel an obligation to create that for each other, which I love. Right, you know, so. they're not passing the buck to, every, you know, adults this or that. But they do, they do really want to be accepted for who they are. The other thing that we're hearing a lot of feedback on is workforce. Um, there's a lot of conversation around um, who they want to become. And it has a lot to do with how I'm going to make money. Um, and and, and there, the, it's not a straight line. Like I was talking about being a doctor. It's not. It's some of that. But right. it's also like, man, I think maybe I want to do this music thing. Or maybe I want to try out uh, my, own, my own company. Like I'll be an entrepreneur. Or maybe I want to do this over here. Maybe I want to maybe not do a job that requires college. But maybe I want to be like a chiropractor. Or maybe I want to do something else in the culinary arts. And so we're getting a lot of feedback from our teams that it is on their mind about how they're going to, they're going to, you know, basically show up in the workforce. And I love that. I think people think, I think sometimes, not everybody, I think sometimes um, society gives teens a bad rap, you know, that they're not thinking about their future. I think it's exactly the opposite. I think a lot of times teens very much care about each other, about themselves and their future, they need the opportunity to be put in an environment where these are the things that, that get fostered in them and grown. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because as, as you were, were, were giving me that, I was I was wondering, you know, does that make them grow up too fast or that they're already so focused mm-hmm. on what they want to do rather than, you know, enjoying, you know, the mm-hmm. adolescence or, or things of that nature? What, what, what's your mm, thoughts? That's a really good question. I think we've been doing that as a society. It's been accelerating, I think, in our society over the last many years. Um, I don't know about you, but when you go to a social function, what's the first question people ask you? After so what do you do? Exactly. <laughs> I think this has been happening for a while. Like, I think we put a lot of emphasis in our culture around profession. Um, we put value around people, what people produce. So. And let's face it, um, it's how we make money, too. And so if I'm a young person and I've 
watched the pandemic recently and I've watched maybe, you know, you know, maybe I don't call it inflation, but I watch, you know, things like the cost of rent going up or other things. Money is on my mind. You know what I mean? And how am I going to make it? I don't I don't think that it's an inappropriate thing for them to be thinking about. I think it's just a realistic question. Do you think that translate because of maybe the circumstances that they're they're mm-hmm. in and they're the cards that they're dealt? It's like, hey, yeah, you I, know, their their home may be one way and they're trying to think of ways to mm-hmm. change their circumstances for maybe not only themselves mm-hmm. but for their family. Yeah, there's there's um, some some questions or lack of questions that are a privilege, right? You know, if I if I cannot have to worry about what's around the corner, that's a privilege. Right. Our purpose at Boys and Girls Club is to support all kids, but it's it's really focused around making sure that we serve the kids who need us the very most. And so we know that that there are challenges around um, maybe economic security, um, educational attainment. Um, these are things that are on their mind more. <laughs> in some ways, because they don't have the privilege of not having to worry about tomorrow. Right, right. You know, probably when we, you and I both were growing up, this was probably something that wasn't discussed or talked about is mental health of, mm-hmm. of teenagers and kids. You know, it's, it's a topic that's mm-hmm. now being yeah. discussed so, so much earlier. What are you all doing at the Boys and Girls Club yeah. to want to address mental health with, with, with the kids? Yeah, a great question. It has changed, hasn't it? Um, so having a trauma-informed lens is an important part of our approach to this question. Uh, and what that means is that first first asking, you know, asking what is going on that might be impacting the situation that we're encountering. So um, I think maybe in years gone by, um, you know, and, and not, not just at Boys and Girls Club, but anywhere, we might look at a situation where there might be a behavior challenge and they go, oh, there's something wrong with that kid. But um, a, a trauma-informed lens would say, huh, there's a behavior, what might be causing that behavior? And taking a much deeper, more informed approach to understanding the total situation and addressing Maybe addressing the behavior, but also trying to figure out how to address the, 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 the situation, the circumstances, the other things that are going on in the child's life that, that ultimately are causing this behavior. Because the behavior is often just the warning sign that there, that there, are, there is trauma. And so having a trauma-informed approach to how we just do our work um, is an important way in which we are prioritizing mental health in general. Um, but specifically, in addition to that, we've been really blessed to have uh, resources, um, some of which come from the state and some of which um, we can get locally and through private donations as well, that allow for us to have mental health professionals working with us um, that would that kind of give us that immediate, um, help us meet immediate and urgent uh, um, problems, but also help us do classes and groups and sessions that, that help help our young people maybe cope with some of their challenges. We've also tried to be creative. So um, we've worked with uh, Nanda Yoga that's come in and helped. Um, They're great because it's yoga, but it's yoga done by uh, mental health professionals. And so they're they're using uh, mindfulness techniques with like six and seven-year-olds. There's nothing like walking into, you know, I talked about walking into boys and girls club thing. There are a lot of kids here. There's nothing like walking into a gym and it's completely silent. And there's 60 kids on mats because they're they're having a mindfulness moment. It's so cool because it's also teaching them how to deal with maybe all the noise they're feeling on the inside. So using um, unique 
uh, unique approaches to mental health awareness and coping mechanisms so that they can do a better job um, any, any, at any time in their life at managing some of their stressors. Um, I think we need more, though. <laughs> uh, recently, I spent some time with our elected officials um, in trying to make the case that we, uh, we need to get as many resources as possible to our kids, not just at Boys and Girls Club, but in lots of different ways to our kids because we need to, we need to support them more, not less. Right, right. And, you know, well, first, namaste <laughs> yeah. to that. You know, and I would say with everything that you describe, you know, I, when I was coming up through the Boys and Girls Club, it was, you know, we rolled out the balls, played basketball. I would tell, you know, you can t- ask anyone who went to college with me or even law school. I got my pool skills because of Boys and Girls Club. And so, uh, you know, but it, 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 I love hearing, you know, some of the, the how can I say, more well-rounded mm-hmm. programming that you mm-hmm. You know, are offering the students. You, have you seen that translate to them becoming more well-rounded individuals? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Um, um, you know, let let's let's also say that it's also an, a parent education opportunity too. Right. So, um, you know, when we let's say we encounter a challenge um, uh, with a child or children. It's a great opportunity for us to be able to insert all these resources to be able to say, hey, let's some alternative opportunity, you know, alternative behaviors that we're looking for, or maybe counseling services that are needed, or parent education around, you know, maybe ways for us to support the whole family. Um, those are moments when you see, like, okay, um, this is going to get a different result. Um, as opposed to the result that we just saw. And uh, I think families are struggling. Um, families need more support, not less. Um, when something doesn't go as planned, it's not because anybody woke up that morning and said, you know, we're going to make this a difficult day. Right. Um, when things don't go as planned, it's because um, people generally are doing their best, um, but they need extra help and they need extra support. And, and that's where we can come in and, and help connect people with resources, provide the resources ourselves. And I think that's where we're going to see over time, you know, a more rounded young person, the opportunity for them to know, hey, I can roll out the ball and have a great time in the gym, but I can also talk to that staff person about how I'm feeling about something or maybe confide in someone else that I need a little bit more support at home. So what would you say to, um, and I'm going to use this uh, example, t- to the grumpy old man that says, oh, you know, our, our children aren't the future. You know, they're all they do is play on social media and TikTok and they're not <laughs> prepared for the workforce. You know, you, you see, you know, our youth more than anyone. What would you say to that grumpy old man? Well, he or she probably <laughs> hasn't spent very much time with young people. And I think that's, I think, again, media portrays portrays us all in one way, um, including that grumpy old man. Um, but I think young people, you know, young people are, are portrayed a certain way. And I, this is just completely opposite of my direct experience with them. Um, I would encourage anybody who hasn't actually spent time with a young person to do that right. and have a, have, a, have, you know, have a meaningful conversation with a 15-year-old and, uh, you know, you'll learn a lot about their, their viewpoints. And that's a good thing. Um, maybe, maybe ask some questions about what their hopes and dreams are for the future, what their concerns are. And I, I think you'll find that, uh, like I find, um, we have a great future ahead of us so long as we do a good job of taking care 
of 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 the blessing we have in our in our youth. You know, when I used to be a prosecutor, you know, one thing that people would always ask me, do you get secondhand trauma being a prosecutor just based off everything that you're seeing, what you what I've been exposed to? Do you ever feel like, you know, what you see with the the, the trauma that some of the, the youth come in with, does that ever get transferred to you or do you ever take that home and, you know, make you want to hug your kids a little bit tighter or anything? Yeah. What an insightful question. Um, I worry about this with our staff a lot. And I do think um, it's important to have a healthy set of boundaries because um, it can be difficult sometimes to, um, you know, we're mandatory reporters. Um, um, You know, when something doesn't go right, sometimes we have to go get more help. And that's what that means. And so it can be hard sometimes. Um, I think as a leader, it may may be um, hard in a different way because you may be it gets aggregated up all the things that maybe didn't go right that day or that week, um, and and it can it can it can weigh on you. It can impact you, um, but it's important to also understand that those things would not have been known to you if not for the opportunity to serve. And I think that has refreshed my viewpoint many many times. Like I wouldn't have. Um, this knowledge, this information, the opportunity to serve, if not for this moment, this child, this family would not have had the intervention. And that has helped me a lot. I will say, though, uh, it's important to take a break. (laughs) It's important to sleep. It's important to do all those things that they, you know, all the smart people say we should do. Because if I've um, learned anything that I am completely human in every way. And that means I get tired. Um, I can't get discouraged. I need friends. Um, those are all things I have to practice as a leader in order to make sure that I am refreshed and ready for the next thing. I have. You know, and this, this, this is a question, but this is might more so be a personal question that I want to ask you, you know, how do you, you know, acknowledge that you are a human and, and, you know, no, allow yourself to, okay, I need a break, Daphne, or I, Daphne, you need to take time away. Because, you know, in my own personal uh, professional growth and, and always feeling like I need to build, it's, you know, no, I don't have time to rest. You don't have time to sleep. And, you know, my, my wife uh, tells me, hey, you need to go to sleep. It's three in the morning. No, I don't have time to sleep. I sleep later. But how do you, you know, get to the point to where you're comfortable, not only in your leadership, but knowing that I'm human, I need to take time. Well, when you get to be 47, <laughs> your body does it for you a little bit. Um, there are some good books about this um, that, that started to impact the way I thought about staying up till 3 a.m. Um, so I, I read a couple of those books that, and uh, that, that helped me, like one's called Rest, um, that helped me think about just how important sleep was. Also, there's a lot of good research about sleep itself and how it impacts. Um, want for me, um, it's it's you know I notice things in my own personal health um, based on how well I'm getting rest. Um, I, I think it's um, it's a little bit prideful, uh, and I'm not. Not directing this to you because it's really something I've noticed about myself too. Sometimes I get really, I'm so motivated sometimes to like, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do this, you know, and it motivates me to do a lot of work, but there is a bit of pride that comes with thinking that I shouldn't take a break 
um, that I am somehow above <laughs> being yeah. human. And I really need to be um, humble with what I've been given and take care of it. You know, uh, we have one of our common behaviors at Boys and Girls Club is respect. It's respect all people. There's a period at the end of that. Respect all peer, people, period. It's also respect um, all that we've been given. You know, that could be property. That could be vehicles. But it's respect what we've been given. And I think that applies to ourselves as people as well. That's good. You know, and, and with that respect of what we've been given, do you feel that Tarrant County has given a lot to Boys and Girls Club or is there still there's still a need for Tarrant County to do more? And I say county as we as a community, not county as a mm-hmm. municipality. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we are sitting in one of the most philanthropic communities in the nation. And I, I you know, we, we were founded in 1926. So we're the oldest boys and girls club in the state. I always like to say that, you know. Um, and I think it, there is somewhat of a correlation to us also being the largest because I think, um, you know, you, the longer you're around, you should grow. You should get bigger. Right. But I, I think it's also important to note that we're sitting in a community that is um, has foundations that have been here, you know, like um, philanthropic foundations that have been here for many, many years some of which whose founders helped start our, our organization. It's just amazing. Um, and philanthropic people, uh, people who give. And I and it's not always about money. It's also about time. Like our culture, I think, and our, our community-wide culture is community-minded, right, about giving to um, others. So I do think we benefit from that. Do I think there's more to do? Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot more to do. I don't think we've fully um, recognized and acted upon the inequities in our community in a way that um, has, has, I don't think we've realized it to the extent that it's necessary for us to achieve results. And I think that's going to be going on for a while. Um, And I think that needs to be honestly uh, talked about more and more and more. You know, in a previous episode, I had uh, Dr. Whitney Boyd with Uh uh, Braver together and they're working on a lot of the disparities in 76104. Uh Uh, You know, do you see that correlation a lot with the the youth that you serve is those disparities? 100%. So those disparities start before birth even. Um, You know, if you look at infant mortality rates in our our communities, um, it starts with the mother's health and it starts and keeps on going through the life of the child. And we see it, you know, you, you based on the zip code that you were born into, um, you have statistical uh, predictability with certain things that are going to happen in your life. Doesn't, it's not isn't, inevitability. It's just predictable. Isn't that crazy just to think? Mm-hmm. Like, and, it's, and, and the numbers are pretty, you know, I hate to say not spot on, but it's like, wow. Like, how can we get down to, because where you grew up, you kind of, know the set of circumstances of the life that you may live just simply the fact that you were born somewhere you had no control over. That's right. Like makes no difference. Like when my choice, when your choice, it is why we need disruptors though. It's why we need these inner, that's why I, I believe boys and girls club is a disruptor, a powerful, positive disruptor. It's, it's the, it's the thing in a child's life that has the power to change their trajectory it exposes them to new people, new resources, new ideas. You know, I, I talk about me being a dreamer. Well, you know, it gives them the opportunity to say, I have a dream. I have, 
you know, I want to become this or that, and then, you know, actually be supported on their way to doing it. You know, speaking of dreamers, you know, one day there's going to be a million people that's listening to this episode. And so how would you tell them as individuals they can be disruptors? Oh, it's, it, everybody can be a disruptor. Uh, it, it doesn't take a certain amount of money or time. It it, it does take a decision, though. Um, and, and so there's no minimum threshold required. Um, it does require a decision to participate, though. So I was talking earlier about making the decision to say yes. And uh, so there's lots of ways people can get, get involved. Volunteer your time. If time is what you have, then, then figure out a way to volunteer your time. If that's an hour a week, two hours a week, um, get educated. That's another way. <laughs> you know, figure out and understand your community. Understand you know, how things work in your community, understand where the, the resources are and maybe get educated so you can understand how to how to vote even based on the things that you understand and believe in. Um, and then I would also say if you're able and you have the capability and capacity to do it, give. There are ways for you to contribute on the basis of what you believe in. And that's extremely important. I, I believe that um, giving is, is a representation of your beliefs. Um, and then the other thing I would say is that there, there are ways for you to, if you're able to do it, like Utah, you serve in a capacity as a, as a member of a board and many boards, actually. And I think there's a way to contribute uh, even beyond what just through leadership. So now you've been at Boys and Girls Club for a while. So let's just say, you know, 30 years from now, we're at your retirement party. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, and you're standing up in front I'll of I'll be everybody. really old then, it's 30 years from now. <laughs> well, that's the, you know, we need you for another 30 more because you're going to stay motivated. Yeah. You know, and you're standing up and people are giving speeches and you're giving a speech. How would you want people to remember you by for mm. or what would you be your legacy? She made a difference. Yeah, that's, that's when I was 12 and said that's, I wanted to change the world. It's this idea that, um, that I've made and I've made, I've changed the world in my corner of the world. Oh, that's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I will let you know that if I could go back and, and talk to 12 year old Daphne, <laughs> I would tell her you have changed the world. You have changed Tarrant County for the, the better and continue to change. And I can only look forward to seeing what Daphne 30 years from now, the impact that you'll make. And so uh, I know we're coming short on time, but I just want to truly thank you for sitting down and having this conversation with me. It was really insightful. Uh, but before we leave, I would at least, I would be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to, to tell everyone how they can get involved and sure. support the work that you all are doing at Boys and Girls Hope of Greater Tarrant yeah. County. So you can find us everywhere using um, basically the first initial of all of our names. So <laughs> here it is, BGC GTC. So Boys Girls Club Greater Tarrant County. So it's at BGC GTC on all of our socials and our website, except it's .org at the end. Okay. Well, as you mentioned, that's how you can get involved with the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Tarrant County. Give your time, give your talents, and give your treasures. Uh, but Daphne, thank you again for joining me on Take This Down. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Take This Down. You're going to want to continue to stay engaged because you never know who our next guest may be. We're available on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Thank you.